This is exactly right. Hi, I'm Erin Welsh. And I'm Erin Almond Updike, and we're the hosts of This Podcast Will Kill You on Exactly Right. We're back with our seventh season, which is bigger and better than ever. Because guess what? We're now a weekly show. This season, we're tackling everything from long COVID to norovirus, from the supplement industry to IVF, and so, so much more. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. Follow This Podcast Will Kill You wherever you get your podcasts. Are you leaving or are you on your way back home? Either way, we want to be there. Doesn't matter how much baggage you claim. Give us a time and date. Terminal and gate. We want to send you off in style. We want to welcome you back home. Tell us all about it. Were you scared or was it fine? Welcome to Do You Need a Ride? This is Chris Fairbanks. And this is Karen Kilgariff. Hello, my friend, Karen. Hello, Chris in Montana. How's it going? I am in Montana. How did you know? Wait, should I not blow up your spot, as the children like to say? You know, it's okay. I think I'm safe here. Uh, Knock, 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 knock. You probably noticed all the uh, brothers and sisters of your uh, painting. That That sounds weird. Yeah, I don't think they're related. Yeah, but all I the think related. It's it's all the the cousins and the second cousins of my Pike Pike Place painting. Yeah, the extended behind, uh, farmers you. market acrylics. I yeah, I am at my dad's, and it's really comforting. And there's reading glasses in every room. Yeah, I didn't know going blind could be so convenient. I mean, you can get those glasses at any CVS. You can, you too can live that way for not an expensive price. I do. Yeah, I have three pair and I literally shove them in my pocket and then sit down. I've just been going through them. <laughs> you snapping them right in half? I guess I got to get a little carrying case, maybe a fanny pack. Maybe a, yeah, a Merce, a man bag. You know what I won't do? A postman's satchel. A chain around the, what do you call that? A pouch on a chain? The glasses, when someone has them on the ready, like it's oh, a- I thought we were still talking about different kinds of purses for men. Right. Yes, I see. You mean like libra- serious librarian? Wait a minute. I think we just chain. accidentally invented something. It's a <laughs> tiny purse that you wear like a medallion <laughs> around your neck. That has to exist. I mean- There's got to be people, not in right? The, not in the high fashion world. Don't you think there's some that are like solid gold, but they're like grandma's change purses at the end of a really huge chain? <laughs> oh my God, that would be the best. <laughs> this is what I want for Christmas. <laughs> Let's bring back the coin purse. 
You know what my mom had that I really wish I could find uh -huh. is she used to have a little um, watch at the end, at the bottom of a necklace as a pendant in the 70s. So she'd wear a turtleneck and then a gold long chain that came down to a little, you popped it open and it was just a little circle clock. Yeah, I fully support that, which, uh, and I used to want a pocket watch and that quickly got taken over by not the hipster world, but like the steampunk guys that wear a top hat with goggles. And uh, yeah, you couldn't just have a pocket watch with some dockers. You'd have to really right. back it up with a bunch of other props. I mean, this might get lost because this is a visual and we're dealing with uh, audio entertainment. But look at this these. This is audio only. Look yeah. at these mm -hmm. fucking pants, Karen. Look at these. Uh oh. These pants. Does Chris have new dockers? Let's see. He's coming no, up into the screen. Look at them close. See the embroidered? What are those? American Eagles? Vacation Jeep Wagoneers with a canoe on top. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. What the fuck indeed? Oh, have you been shopping at LL Bean? What is that? You know what? That's a good guess. A long time ago, my dad had a pair of uh, Ralph Lauren khakis that had. Uh, just intermittently embroidered uh, pheasants, I think. Sure, yeah. And I borrowed them, and I was the hit of a wedding. The The bride almost left the groom for me. They were such <laughs> nice pants. And I, and uh, in looking for a present for my dad, you did just notice I'm wearing the pants right now, but I was trying to find those all-over embroidered pants, and I... Uh, I gets out. They're gone. No one, Ralph Lauren's not making them. L.L. Bean's out. Eddie Bauer's busy putting their name on the side of a Ford Explorer. Yeah, they're too busy with their cars to worry about <laughs> embroidered pants. Also, I think that look, because J. Crew had clothes like that a lot too, yeah. and you might want to look, but I feel like that style that was very, dis it, like, it basically kind of tried to put a, plant a flag in, what what year would it have been? T oh. 2009? Right. Yeah. That's a guess. Just slightly over a decade ago. All the rage. It's just like, it's not nostalgic yet. It's still dorky. Right. But these ones. I'm sorry to say that because you're actually, I just realized you're wearing the pants. Those ones look great. No, you, I knew that when you said it's still dorky, you weren't talking because I saw your hair blow back when you saw these <laughs> tiny Jeep Wagoneers. And then I got a pair with little mooses for my I dad. I was scared that they were. Uh, the Jeep Wagoneers were American flags, and that immediately had a strange oh. MAGA vibe where I was like, how long have you been okay, there? Okay, you... What's uh, happening? You very much... Uh, you know exactly the brand of this company where I found them because goddamn right they have little American flag pants. That's one of the things they make. And pumpkins and little Christmas trees. Oh. But because I looked up... This is the weird point of my story. Uh... Actually, you and I both know there's no point to my story. <laughs> but I I was trying to find those pants on my computer, and then the ad for these pants just came up on my phone. So the cookie, don't eat the cookies, everyone. Don't enable the cookies. They're watching us. I'm just kidding. Oh, uh, I, I was, get you. I got you. Yeah, Sorry. Uh, uh, they, I thought that was a drug reference. No. <laughs> I found... Hey, man. This is a weird... There was this guy that... He lives in like Nantucket or Rhode Island. His name's who invented those pants. Uh, he, I, because they're posing in Vermont in front of a snow-capped house, and there's kids ice skating. I thought it was some uh, trust fund guys that 
got famous on Instagram, but it's these beautiful photos. But then I read about the guy and he, he just became a vintage clothing guy while he is mowing lawns and it became this giant company. And I followed him on Instagram and it, it, they are people that got famous on Instagram and then decided to make clothes because they were famous. And then they make these really fancy clothes. It's just... That's their merch. Can Do you want to say the company or are you not saying oh, it for I a reason? Oh, uh, it, I just can't remember his name. It's <laughs> Keel James Patrick is his name. Oh. And these pants, I have a feeling I'm going to be saying it a lot because these pants, people have been lowering their sunglasses. <laughs> a group of construction workers stopped working to whistle at me. Yes. And it was cold outside, baby. It was cold outside. But they 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 rubbed their hands together and they blew into a little a, wi- a little whistle fire they were making for themselves and they made it happen. Yeah, yeah. They re- I really put a spring in their step and then they finished that building today on time and under budget because <laughs> my pants were so beautiful. Because your embroidery <laughs> inspired them to build yeah. and grow. It's inspirational. Have you purchased yourself any new clothing in lieu of family members who you should have been shopping for? I am the worst. I mean, we're recording this. You're going to hear this in the Jan, yeah. in the new year. But we, it's still pre-Christmas for us. I always like to be honest. Yeah, uh, people thought I was just now dealing with COVID. We are revealing that we aren't recording this the day before. I think it's okay to admit that. Yes, it's there's no shame in it. My it's anxiety podcasting. attack that I had <laughs> during the Duncan Dressel, but that 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 just aired, and so people are and now asking me if I'm feeling okay, which I really appreciate it, by the way. Um, well, what choice do they have? Because that was you went into a full medical meltdown, yeah, and also I, I did. again, I will say. Those are moments, content moments that we should aim for. If you have a test and you have the doubt, you have to take that test on the air. I wish that we were recording when I did take an at-home test. I let it sit out too long, (laughs) more than five minutes, and there was a pink line. So I did have COVID for five minutes. Then I went and bought two more tests that same day, and they were both negative. And you fucked it up. You know, I did the same thing where I got... I just bought two tests at the store because I'd been feeling tired, like sluggish and tired, but not a lot else. And so I was like, yeah, but what if this is that kind, one of those ones is real subtle. So I took the test, but you know the part where you have to drip in exactly six drops of liquid in the little hole? Yeah. I drip in my exactly six drops and then was like, did they all go directly in? Or did I lose some on the sides? Therefore, should I put another drip or two? I ended up putting in eight drips instead of six. And then when it went, the whatever it's called, the constant or whatever that term is for the one line that immediately pops up. Right. And then you're looking for the second line for the positive. Yeah. The whole thing just ran and all of it became pink (laughs) because I fucking did a weird thing, almost like the same way I make coffee in the morning where I go, I put in water for six cups or eight cups, but then I start counting out the coffee, which should be six scoops for eight cups of water. Yeah, yeah. Six scoops of coffee. But by the time I get to six, I always am like, is that enough? I don't think it is. And then I put in seven. I do it all the time. Yeah. I can't just do the number that I'm supposed to do. Well, imagine what it's like for me. You're good at multitasking. If if I'm doing a thing 
and even a thought goes into my mind, I just walk away. And for do you know how many times I've put grounds in the filter and then just <laughs> went on with my day? That's as and far never as, hit, never hit power. Oh, like, never, never even hit thought on. about it. Yeah. Never got water. <laughs> Something happened. It's not like the phone's ringing. It's not the nineties. It's the two thousand twenty ones where everything is about as. ADHD as it possibly could be. Yeah, God, we have an excuse now. It's great. It's a really good, you know, because I kept saying to my sister, I just want to make sure I don't have COVID. And she goes, you don't, you never leave your house. How could you have COVID? She goes, you're just legitimately tired. And I was just like, oh yeah, I guess that's true too. But you saw me and I, my brain shut down it right. when we were recording with Don. People love that episode, which then I take it personally. It's like, well, I'm, I was silent. I was having an episode. Yeah, that's the people are trying to tell you to be quiet on your own podcast. They are. They are. I think that's the that under, even though they're saying I love your pod and a bunch of other nice things and how are you? Yep. I know it's no, an underhanded jab. That's right. It's actually a manipulation. <laughs> they're trying to get you. They're trying to get you yep, to write them. Everyone's check. out to get me. God. They're out to get you. I can't believe I let them know I'm in Montana. They're gonna get me. <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, I I do recall now that you mentioned it when I was doing those six drips into my COVID test. Out of habit, I did drip one into my eye. <laughs> and then one on the tongue <laughs> yeah. just to see what happened. Yeah, and it did not make the redness go away on that line. I think it's the control line. Is it the control? Con- that's what I was looking for. Yeah, Thank I you. spent a lot of time in science class. But did I say control? You no, said... I said- Another C word. Another C word. Oh, yeah. You said the cunt line. I said. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Hey, you know, that's a, that's a, do you need a ride first that we, we threw out the see you next say Tuesday. the see you next Tuesday line. <laughs> you went for it. Oh. You were a man in 2021 saying the C word. Do you know the bravery? That yeah, exactly. I walked out on a limb and I don't, yeah. I, I just know this is a solid tree. Know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Look, you grew this tree. You built this tree on rock and roll. <laughs> but wait, can I ask you a question? You said you left you left your um something out too long or whatever like there was just another thing where you didn't f- you a test you didn't fill, follow it through the whole way? Yes. If you leave it out, it says keep the keep your mouth sample dipped in the six drips for yep. 10 minutes and then look at it, but you better look at that in a five-minute window. The whole right. test should be 15 minutes. I went yes. and ran some errands. I vacuumed, and I went <laughs> to pick up some Brussels sprouts, came back, and I had COVID, and because uh, there was a faint line, so faint that I'm not sure that my very bad eyes weren't making it up. They probably were. Like, I could barely... I would, yeah. I had a, I had a magnifying glass and a, a very bright light, and I'm like, there's a faint line. I think it's the nature of that litmus strip that it it's lying somewhere underneath the whatever. Yeah, so it's I, the thing that's waiting to get activated right. when your disease hits it and you can see it if you're staring at yeah. it, but the disease has to make it like actually red and not the faintest. Yeah, I stared at it long enough that like one of those computer generated patterns, I started to see <laughs> the image Dolphins? of a... Uh, like a magic eye poster? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I've never, I always thought there was something wrong with me because I could never, I pretend all the time. Oh, I see it. A skull. <laughs> yeah, I just told you it was a skull. But I know too because I can see it right now. 
I cannot see those. No, neither I can cannot I. cannot see them ever. And I absolutely panic and I get a weird... Know what I've heard? That means you have a high IQ. If you can't see magic yeah. eye posts. It means you're high functioning. <laughs> I've heard that. Yeah. Uh, then yes, then that's exactly what's happening. <laughs> and not just that I can't relax enough to let my eyes yeah, go yeah. focus to see something fun. Yeah, you're supposed to go dead-eyed but keep them still. Never. And you I would, can't make I used me. to like cross my eyes and halfway blink and like, oh, I see it. <laughs> just faking. But no, I did not have COVID. I just, I think Duncan, he's a high-functioning, smart-brained person and I think I got paranoid and then he backed it up a little bit, which is all I needed. And I was like, is shortness of breath and sweating is part of COVID? I'm clearly having that, but I do, I'm not going out on my rock and roll tree limb when I say I think I had a bit of a panic or an anxiety attack or, I don't know, I've never been diagnosed Here's the thing. with those things. You had a little bit of a doubt and you had a worry. Then we discussed it thoroughly enough that your worry was supported. Yes. And then we were talking about a bunch of other stuff and all you could do is think about the worry. Yes. So then you were doing a whole like, you were having a whole reaction of like, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing on this podcast because I have COVID. Right. And then it needed to be that you had COVID because that was explaining what was going on right. with you as opposed to that's what happens when you get in your head about stuff. Right. And thank God you were uh, at your most high functioning. Chris, in I was that phoning it in. That guys... was nothing. You've never seen me high functioning. You've never seen it. You've no idea what it looks like. At one point, I was watching with my hands on my chin <laughs> and I'd set the microphone over on the desk somewhere. But we are both, and today, now's a good time to mention we don't have a guest. Yep. It's just us. Yeah, it's this is just us. And a lot of pe people came to my shows in Philly and they, uh, multiple people said, I love a Just Chris and Karen oh. episode. And I said, well, don't hold your breath. You got all Mayor of Easttown uh, Because in we have nothing but good guests <laughs> We have had an amazing, so, Hannah Crichton is our booker at Exactly Right, and she has been helping us. Yeah. And we have just been able to say, hey, what about this dream person that we both love but don't know very well? And we've been able to get- Yeah, I've literally described people from my <laughs> dreams. <laughs> you know that poster of like, have you seen this man in your dream? That little weird guy? Let's get yeah, that Yeah, next week we're, we're going to have a boat captain <laughs> with a chicken body. I dreamt him. Yeah. Oh, and you know, we, we should definitely, um, coming up, have Pat... Um, Summerall. Who was on... Say it again. Pat Summerall. He's an old sports <laughs> no. broadcaster. No. Uh, our friend who... Patrick Keene. Yes. Patrick Keene, who did it constantly with us anytime we didn't feel like getting our shit I together. Was th I forgot that I was going to bring him up again because I did shows in Irvine and he's a teacher in Orange County. He like has an apartment. He's been teaching a high school in Orange County and he, Ugh. I stayed with him and he, I laughed for 24 hours straight. He's I, the I mean, best. those kids must be the happiest kids it, it, yeah, taught it, in the world. And he's, he's the funniest. He's uh, very thoughtful and uh, one of my favorite people. Yeah, we got, we're going to bring back some oldies. Got to. Not just the newbies and the goodies, but some old timey classic oldies. It's three o'clock and we're going to be right back after this Weather traffic. Shit. 
Yeah, I said, I told a lot of folks that were at my show, like, they were like, I can't wait for you in the cars so you can get swung out with a bike lock. <laughs> and I didn't bring that up. That sticks out to people's, in people's memory. And that was so many years ago now. That's because we talk about it all the time. It's yeah, one of yeah, our Yeah, yeah, we brought it up. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, one it's of the great things like that happening. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, maybe right now, if I was recording in a room full of birds or something, there would be surprise things to change the subject. Like, what if I was talking about COVID and then all of a sudden a cockatoo was on my shoulder? <laughs> I mean, it would, would it be great for podcasting? It's debatable. It's a visual. Yeah, you, it would be they very make a loud. Lot of and noise. It would be irritating. And, it would remind me of the documentary about Heidi Fleiss, where it seems to me surrounding yourself with birds can sometimes be a cry for help in certain Wait ways. Wait a minute. Now, are you talking about the Madame of New York that was somehow connected with Charlie Sheen? Yes, but not of New York, of Los Angeles. She was Of right Los here. Angeles? Yes, and, yes well, I Well, you don't know about the... I know her from her New York work. Whoops. <laughs> no, I've never, Too late. I've never, Too I've yet. never used a working lady of the night. <laughs> Too late. We know about your proclivities. <laughs> oh, I said the C word earlier. Oh yeah. I've never seen that documentary actually. Oh, it's amazing. It's so good. I'll watch it. So wait, you did stand up in Irvine. Do you want to talk about your show? Oh, I mean, I was there a while back and then I was just in Philadelphia where I've actually had trouble in the past. I feel like Philly's intense. In yeah. my mind that that city is like a bunch of dads that wished they you had uh wrestled and done football in high school and they watch with their arms crossed and they're like make me laugh motherfucker. There's right. like they even in Philadelphia have bumper stickers everywhere that say Philly is funny with a ph. Like mm. I saw them everywhere and the, all the houseless folks that were, like, in, hanging out in the streets, walking, last time I was there, walking from the hotel to the club, they all had jokes. Yeah. They, uh, they'd all be like, hey, a, a joke for a dollar. I'm like, well, that's fre- that's refreshing. And then the next guy had jokes. It got to the point where I was like, hey, the guy at 38th and Plymouth is doing your, he's doing your uh, bird joke. <laughs> He'd be like, that son of a bitch. I know exactly who you're talking about. The streets aren't open, Mike. So in the past, I've had trouble there. And this time, it was so much fun. What was the difference? I think, and you're going to probably think I'm just in my head about it, but I grew back the cop mustache and I cut my hair and I no one's going to... There's a weird thing that happens. I think you will be on board. It's it's people pay attention to a guy with a mustache. <laughs> I'm in a position of authority, and last time I was some bald-faced weakling, and also I think I've been doing... The big one is I've been doing stand-up for a decade since I was last there. (laughs) Yes. That's a good one. That's good to keep in mind. Yeah, yeah. And I just had more fun. whatever you're... Did you actually perform comedy with that hair? The old hair? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's... and I had the balls to do reggae with it, wondering why it wasn't hitting so ironically. You had juggler hair. That's the thing, is you were misguiding and misleading the audience with your appearance. Right. And there, if you're, I think we talked about this, but yeah, you can't, you can't look funny. You have to be funny. And honestly, I, you're right. And, and by that rationale, I could also just have short hair and no mustache, but... 
whatever it makes you uh, somehow memorable. I don't know why I'm doing it. No, I mean, I think that, I think the look aside, I think just hair that isn't doing anything. Because unless you're, and I'm pretty positive, you're, right. you're not willing to do a solid five minutes about how weird your hair is. No, then, I'm not. So then the audience is confused and then they're uh, then they're upset at you. Yeah, but I know like, what you're if, thinking. Looks like Gene Wilder fucked right? Robert Downey Jr. playing uh, whatever. What was the silent film actor? It doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> Albert Einstein? Charlie Chaplin. God damn it. Oh. Uh, but no, it was it was uh, very fun, and I started to feel like I know what I'm doing again. So That's good. I'm going to St. Louis and, and Indianapolis, all these places I've never been. Great. And I'm excited. Because it's been really fun. I was missing it doing stand-up. Yeah, I bet. And also you can now go having all these good shows under your belt, knowing that that whole idea, you're just making up stories of dads in the audience with their arms crossed because yeah. mad that you didn't play sports. No one knows what the <laughs> fuck you did when you were, you were a child. Stop it. These like, were you, the kind of dads. Uh, my dad's not mad I didn't play sports. <laughs> yeah, they don't give a shit. Yeah, yeah. Most dads are at this point like, we tortured ourselves with this. It's fine. Keep keep moving. Most people at the at this point, and you know this, they just want entertainment of right. any kind. Please let them escape from the horror and their bank account and the shit that they're going through in their own lives. Like, it's not about your shit. It's about getting them away from their you shit. You know what I used to do 10 years ago that all of us used to do when there was like an alt scene is try and be surreal and obscure and absurd and think of funny ideas that I liked and try and sell them to a mainstream audience, but now I'm having more fun just trying to think of random things that are super relatable. And I didn't used to do that. So I'm just have more relatable stuff. It's been also really Also, com stand-up comedy is so much more widespread now. It's so much more of a shared language. People aren't going there like, I don't know what this is, but fuck you. Like, that's the 90s. Yeah. That's PTSD from real club experience. Yeah. These days, people are going as spe like specified fans who are like, I'm not spending 40 random dollars. I'm going to see you in particular. Yeah, it's been great. That's a huge difference. That's like, that makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, there are so many nice people coming now and they all say hi to you. Hi. Hi. And then they're like, you should get her to do stand-up. You guys should do shows together. And I'm like, I... Hey, look, it's okay if Karen doesn't want to do stand-up. That's what I tell them. Yep, this is a whole but, separate conversation. <laughs> but you and I, yeah, yeah, it is, it is. Let's talk about what's in the news, sports. <laughs> My thing is I have to, uh, to do stand-up, like you haven't stopped doing it ever. I've stopped and started so many times right. that I don't, I've lost my actual personal train of thought personal thread of what I want to be talking about. And genuinely, the people I see doing it these days try so hard. They, they're so competitive. They're so in it to win it. They're so smart. Like, it's just a different time. I feel like it's like, it's a young man's game and there's all these people who are like, no, 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 I'm going to, you know, make my mark. So it's like, go ahead. Yeah. I, don't, I don't care to talk about what we've all observed this week. I do it anyway. 
I'm t- I'm so tired. That's the other point that people don't realize. You have a full-time outlet that is very much going well and is 100% your job. Why go back to the thing that <laughs> you connect to struggling for so many years? Yeah. I'm also going to pick up a, a shift washing some dishes. Yeah. <laughs> because I might as well just keep it real all the way around. Yeah. Remember back when you had your dishwashing job and you knew how could <laughs> Think how good you'd be at it now. Go back. I actually would. I would. I mean, not to say that that's not true because it's a really hard job where you have to handle really fucking hot water and hot dishwasher, you know, those those huge dishwashers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't do it. I'm being very um, cavalier right now. I could not do that job. If the job was at a like um, one of those tiny New York restaurants that has like eight tables, I could do those dishes because then I would be like doing dishes at my grandma's house on Thanksgiving. And that my sister and I are very good at. And it's so relaxing. There's nothing I love more. So if it was less of a restaurant, more of a food-based art gallery. (laughs) Yes, it's like I can rinse out those plastic wine cups (laughs) and I can kind of like make sure the kitchen's clean in a way that... My favorite thing is just staying in the kitchen during any party or event. That's that's my goal, and um, it's what I like to do best. And since I can't cook, the way I keep my spot in the kitchen is I do the dishes. Did you ever do one of those dinner theater things? I was going to do a, a <sighs> dinner theater play of something called David and Lisa, I think. <laughs> and I we rehearsed it. It was at the end of college, and I was like, Wait, people are eating during... The whole time I had anxiety about it. And then the venue dropped out. And then I think I pretended to be dead and I didn't answer my phone. I was so glad that I was off the hook. Dinner, theater, and also (laughs) um, murder mystery theater. Like the month I started stand-up, I immediately got booked on a gig at a murder mystery theater show. And I had a handheld mic and I was just standing in the middle of a room turning in circles... (laughs) Because everyone was always behind me. It was like doing a theater in the round. And so, like, they turn the lights off and turn them back on and be like, ha, everyone in here is holding a knife. Was there, like, dinner jokes? (laughs) (laughs) It's Uh, a butter knife. It was like a play itself. And then it was almost like while they were eating, take a break and watch the comedy stylings of. And so then it was... It was awful. There's nothing worse for comedy than food happening, except yes. at Largo somehow, the old Largo. I don't know. I Yeah, I don't know how they managed that. But yeah. I think it's because that the room was pitch black. And so you never really saw people eating and you didn't worry about them eating. Didn't draw anything away. Yeah, that's one thing I forgot about with because I was at a comedy club for a few days in Philly and there is the check drop 15 minutes when I'm ramping up to try and get my conclusionary laughs. (laughs) Everyone was hunched over doing math and I'm like, oh, I forgot about the flaws with my job. (laughs) No one's even listening. They're worried about money. You need to write a bit about that for that moment. You're right. Right? There's a niche that needs to be filled there. Right. What would it be? Let's spitball it now. All right. Well, what if you started singing the Jeopardy question (laughs) music while they were doing it and saying, I'm going to put my act on pause and just give you background audio so that you don't have to focus? (laughs) Just humming that song and going out to the audience, climbing under their tables, really freaking them out. Or you can also be like, this will be the question and answer period. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, <laughs> you're have right. Other people. Yeah. Open yeah, it that up. is a good time to field questions. Just let the moment happen, guide the moment, host the moment, and then once all the pens drop, boom, we're right back to the your mom and dad jerking off in the doorway. Hey, you know what? I'm what? glad you brought the that joke <laughs> up uh, because it kind of doesn't work anymore. I'm what? a new comic. Oh, yeah. You're not doing stuff like that. You know, a lot fewer dick-based jokes. Not so much toilet-based humor. I have one bidet bit that do, does okay, but less graphic. Do you want to roll it out in front of the people who like you the most? Let the your biggest fans hear your bidet material and we can let you know what we think? Oh, right now? Yes. Certainly not. You just you just asked uh, you just said you do comedy tell me a joke. Tell me a joke you about a bidet. <laughs> <laughs> That I wouldn't mind. If I was on an airplane and that someone said, oh, you're a comedian? Do you have any jokes about bidets? I would like that specific assignment. Right? It'd be like, sometimes the water squirts right up in you, right? Yeah. You just kind of start them off a little bit. And he's bit. just laughing because he's in the bidet business and he's flying to some, uh, the, the Convention. water in your ass festival in yep. Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> All the bidet at the Bellagio, it would be at yeah, the Bellagio yeah. for sure. The Water in Your Ass Festival is a bidet-based festival. Yes. But uh, yeah, I uh, I don't say when I'm golfing or I'm on a plane, I just say I'm a graphic designer because I can talk about that. Yeah. And it's so much easier. Yeah, it is. That's just maybe two follow-up questions. And they're back at uh, to me interviewing them about, yep. about uh, you know... H&R Block, the tables have turned. You're like, where did you get your embroidered pants? See, I think your embroidered pants phase is definitely based on and influenced by your golf phase. You know, a little bit. Think so? It is very, yeah. It's more of an outdoorsy, because these are flannel. You know, they wouldn't be great for golf. They're not very breathable. Oh, they're pajama bottoms. They are... If you saw them, if I took them off and I showed you the liner to the pockets, they're handmade in, I think, Vermont. Mm-hmm. Very good quality. They're hardly pajamas. Sweatpants? They are corduroy slack dungarees, <laughs> and they're of the highest quality. <laughs> it, uh, did I mention they have an all-over embroidered print of miniatures? One of my favorite things, tiny little cars. It's like wearing clothes and little toys at the same time. I have micro machines all over my pants. It's You're right back to your underoos days, and you couldn't be more... You're clearly filled with a childlike exuberance. You, you keep going back to underwear and pajamas, Karen. I'm just saying... These are the... I could wear these pants to a, to a highfalutin business meeting with a suit and a tie. You said flannel, though, which kind of is more towards the sheets okay. area. Okay. Well, then I take back uh, just about everything, actually, including <laughs> raising my voice because I meant the fucking word corduroy. What is happening to me? <laughs> oh, you They're got the corduroy entire... corduroy pants. They're okay. very nicely made. There's no flannel course, involved? That's why you said pajamas. I'm like, why is she attacking these nice corduroy pants? Because you're calling them pajamas. You're absolutely provoking me into attacking. Flannel. Good God. Like an angry bear in a cave. I was jabbing you with a stick. Hold on. Let me just tell you something now that we're talking about flannel. Do you know? They're really nice pants. I believe you. I saw them. You stood up (laughs) on a chair. You liked them so much. I'm absolutely on 
on your level with these pants. <laughs> but do you know that it's right now so freezing in Los Angeles that I think it might be 35 degrees outside? Wait a minute. Yes. Okay. The whole world is so messed up because of Al Gore's invention. Yes. <laughs> global warming is that it is now colder in Los Angeles than where I'm at in Montana. Sorry, really quick. I I'm exaggerating because it's really 52 here. But the oh, low. Okay. But the low is 37. So and it will I'm be 37 tonight. Yeah, it is in the high 20s here and <gasps> snowing. So Fuck. I. When I got here, it was warm, but it was very warm in Philadelphia where I expected it to be a miracle on whatever street. Christmassy. <sighs> I know that's a New York film, okay. but whatever. They're interchangeable cities. Not really. One more, you're more likely to get punched. In Philly? Uh, yeah, I'm not going to say which. The <laughs> people that live in New York and Philadelphia know which one I'm talking about because they call it punchy town. Philly is pretty punchy. Yeah, that's the right answer. Go Eagles. <laughs> Jesus, my joke about not liking the Eagles, the band almost got me beat uh, up. What are you, please, you're playing with fire there. Don't you know that story? I think it was Paul Tompkins used to tell it because he's from Philly. Yeah, About yeah. the crowd that went out and tipped over, I think it was Quiet Riot's tour bus. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. just don't fuck around. Those those fans are serious. And the the... Before anyone knew who Bill Burr was, he had a viral in back in the pre viral on YouTube video of him just being screamed at and him just going, yeah, fuck you. I hope y'all get cancer and stub your toes. And I remember that was how everyone got to know him. But no, Philly was the <laughs> nicest. It, I loved it. Yes, I had a great, great time. They were the sweetest audiences. And I worked with these great comics. I and the buildings are so old. It's like, is that where Ben Franklin signed the Declaration? You know, I didn't do a lot of research, but there's all these old buildings. Yeah, because they're small. And the Constitution. They're little shorties. Like all the build, it's everything's two stories, and the doorways are real small. Yeah, because yeah. people used to have little polio legs. <laughs> it's just, it's just the the building, the architecture alone. I just walked around, and I'm like just looked at so many gargoyles on the edges of built like yeah so old and then you go back to Los Angeles i mean there's some old buildings here in montana but not not the, these buildings are a century older i mean so well cool. i think there's a mendocino farms down on ventura that's pretty old i don't it's been there for like 8 yeah, years yeah yeah the one uh, yeah before they renovated that strip mall yeah yeah it's that's like <laughs> it's the same it's 1990s, Karen. <laughs> That's 1990, not 1890s. It's just I wanted you to get the update because it was 74 months, if not years, and then all of a sudden, three days ago, some kind of a storm rolled in. Yeah. There was insane rain. I caught some of it. Oh, because you left? Yeah. Yeah, I came home for like 20 hours. But it was just the weirdest, strongest, craziest. And there were some swift water rescues that had to take place. Every time this the LA River goes from a trickle to a raging torrent, people get caught in that river and have to get rescued. Out. I, of course, have told you this, but this is this is why we call this the bringing back the oldies podcast. <laughs> when my brother-in-law, Mike, was teaching a swift water rescue class to other 
fireman. As he was teaching it, a man floated by in the river. Yep. Drowning. And he saved him. I did tell you that. Several times. But I love to hear it. <laughs> oh, no. I love to hear what it every it? time we celebrate Mike. He, that's Mike. You know what I mean? Mike is a, <laughs> the ultimate fireman. He's doing it. He's teaching it. He reaches behind him and swift water rescues somebody. He can do it all. He always Did I has. tell you about the time he was in a kayak and a fish jumped in and landed in his lap? <laughs> and he held it up like he just caught it from fishing? <laughs> do you love Mike? Well, yeah. Yeah. He's pretty great, huh? Yeah, of course. Yeah. He sounds like the best. Yeah. First of all, he's in a kayak, which I always respect automatically. People that yeah, go out yeah. of their way to get like suctioned into a boat, those are brave people. Those yeah. are people that are like, I don't care if I flip over and am held underwater by my own craft. I'm still going to do this. Have you ever? I, I, uh, no. I have kayaked. Never. Ever would. But but just in a swimming pool, try and learn the role. I don't want to learn a role. I would rather you not be You got to learn to roll, Karen, otherwise you're you're in danger of drowning. What do you it's just huck yourself to one side or the other? Like what do you do? You have to involve the oar. The paddle rather. Yes. By what? Sticking it up out of the water and Yeah, you got to force it, force uh. majeure. <laughs> you got to and then pop yourself back up. You got to do a barrel roll, they call it. Have you ever seen the movie Force Majeure? Is it about an avalanche? But yes, it is. But more importantly about, yeah, I slept through that. You have to rewatch it. Okay. At the halfway mark, is it a real snooze fest? And then all of a sudden it gets... No, the last thing, way I was to, would describe that movie is as a snooze fest. Yeah, I just kept waiting for the avalanche to come. I saw that it was becoming <laughs> a a bad marriage movie where... She hates that he. Yes. Well, I was mean, a it's not. It wasn't San Andreas. He wasn't going to like ride the avalanche right. into you know the sea or anything. That was the, just the inciting incident. Right. I thought it was an action movie, and I'm like, God, this marriage needs to end. They, she hates this guy. And he needs to grab a gun and run to the forest. Yeah, they start giving us yeah. some action. When does the action start? I was just on the heels of a bunch of Kurt Russell movies, <laughs> and I'm like, you call this an avalanche? This really actually is. You're right. That's the kind of thing that when you base a movie around an avalanche, you can't blame people for expecting action. And right. then if you send them into just the the slow creeping slide out of yeah. like love from a relationship yeah. that's a, it's a lot for people to take in yeah yeah it was it was just like that bad marriage movie what whatever it was called which one oh with that long-faced uh talented actor <laughs> adam wears driver his pants tall he, he's it's adam driver right driver the driving yeah. man yes mm -hmm. uh it was a gritty divorce movie him and, and they were both, they're both so good in it, but it mm -hmm. that doesn't mean it's kind of like Jimi Hendrix music. Just because I know there's talent there doesn't mean I have to enjoy it. I love Jimi Hendrix. 
Hey. Here's what I'll say about this is you're exactly right. I've already suffered through a bad marriage. I'm not going to go back and watch other people go, what if it was like this? There's no value in that right. in my life. If I've already kind of suffered the sling narrow, I have nothing to learn from a fake version of the thing I went through it, it very painfully for real. Exactly. Same, same with, there's a movie called In the Bedroom starring Sissy Spacek and I believed the British actor Tom... Wilkinson and their child, their their adult son dies. And then, and I didn't, I, I remember God. going with my boyfriend at the time and he, it was just like one of those independent movies. We were at the like, one of those indie movie houses. And I halfway through realized the whole plot of this movie was about how a family copes when someone dies unexpectedly. And I was, I turned to him and I go, I don't need this. I've already done this a handful of times in reality. I, Sissy Spacek can do nothing for me right. that I don't, haven't already done for myself in this real situation. Yeah. I don't need to watch these people fucking fuck shit up. Uh, and it's all from one guy's mind. No yeah, thanks. Yeah. Just because Sissy Spacek is one of the fa funnest uh, names to say, according <laughs> to linguists, Karen, it <laughs> uh, <laughs> doesn't mean I need to... Even my sister, when we were the, towards the end of dealing with our mom and Alzheimer's, she made me watch this. She sent me a DVD of a movie called Savages with Laura no. Linney and Paul no. and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, who already makes me sad because... It, I was real sad when he died. And yeah, it is just exactly the situation, like a parent with Alzheimer's, but you're off chasing your dreams, so you're not present and there to deal with all the things yep. that you have to deal with. And I'm like, why are you, is this a message that, why... But it was a good movie, but it, yeah, I don't need to go through it again. Not good for your scenario. Not good for the reality of your life. That was like when we went to see The Notebook because we just thought it was a rom-com. And then, you know, it's basically about a woman with Alzheimer's. And I was so devastated at the end. I couldn't leave the theater because I had to sob it out for five minutes. Yeah. I don't, I'm I not going to go it. to the fucking AMC 19 in Burbank to cry my guts out. That's yeah. not why I show up at a place like that. Right. I don't want that. That's not the experience I'm looking for. Don't trick me into having it. I could watch it doing? now, but yeah, I avoided watching it forever because I thought what? the notebook was about, um, school and I did bad in school. <laughs> school. <laughs> well, also it all it leaves you dissatisfied in these ways. First of all, you're being triggered by your own serious pain. Mm -hmm. Secondly, you're watching someone, I'm watching people and criticizing their Alzheimer's acting. Where I was just right, like, right, mm, right. Eh, not really like that. You're like you know who the top. was really good just as a side note as an Alzheimer's actor is is uh, John Lithgow in whatever Planet of the Apes movie where James Franco was in a lab testing a, I don't know, the third, which, whichever uh, Planet of the Apes movie, uh, it just as a B or C plot, his dad was John Lithgow and he had Alzheimer's. And that's what he was coming up with, a medication. That oh, yeah. he then used on a gorilla that, it turned him into a high-functioning warmonger, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but it was starting to work on John Lithgow, so you saw him declining and then having moments of clarity. No. What? And it was No. It was so good. He was so good. John Lithgow, hey, I think no, he should be the first or second rock from the sun if the sun <laughs> 
is the Oscars. The Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> it's real. He's great. John Lithgow. John Lithgow. There are none, none higher, none better. Truly yeah. a legend. Still doing it. Remember him and yep. Perry, Perry Mason? How I still talk about him past tense, but yeah. Yeah, because of that, because of Perry Mason? <laughs> yeah. 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 No, we all believed great. it. That he died. No, he's so amazing. But yeah. that's just like that fucking movie Awakenings, which is one of the best movies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It's based on a true story. You've got Robin Williams playing a doctor. Yeah. You've got Robert De Niro playing a, a childlike uh, patient with this strange shut-in disease, this yeah. shut-down disease, I should call it, because the shut-in disease is a different one. Yeah, it's fun to watch him do something like that. And then they come to life. I was like, this is a fucking nightmare. Love, what yeah. This movie is the saddest thing I've ever seen. That Like, this is so awful. What Like, what? We're just all grieving this saddest yeah. medical condition. I always thought that I liked it. And I'm like, where's the scene where he makes everyone laugh with his clown nose? And I'm like, oh, I'm thinking of Patch Adams. That's Patch Adams. But he's got a sort of oddly similar plot, though. Well, you know what it is? He's um, in both Patch Adams and in Awakenings, he's wearing a white coat. And so then you go, I know I know what Robin's doing in this one. But then... I can't remember in which of those movies where he puts on a sweater vest and teaches those boys poetry. That's in a third option. Oh. Yes. And what's that called? That's called that's called New England Dead Corn. New England Corn for dinner. <laughs> Children of the Corn. Children for of the young New England boys. Corn Ball. People talk about that movie like it is the greatest thing. And I'm like, it has been making me cringe since 1986. Yeah, there's all these real cheesy moments like everyone stand on the deck. Poetry. Okay, cool. I am am him. No, I am him. I just read Pablo Neruda. Sit down. So did everybody else. Shut up. Yeah, that... That movie, that movie was riddled with some real 20-year-old thespians, if you ask my <laughs> opinion. I don't like your intonation. This reminds me a lot of when you yelled cunt earlier. <laughs> Let's bring that back. Oh, just haphazard dropping of the C-bomb. This is how we do it. This is compelling podcasting done right. right. Yeah. We'll push buttons, yep. maybe the wrong buttons, yeah. but we push them at the right time. That's right. You're probably just trying to get your grandma to listen right as Chris yelled the C word. <laughs> Sorry, grandma. I'm not sold on it, although back in my day, that was a compliment. <laughs> oh, I, got, I got a nice man to come from the, the neighboring town and say, I can see your beep through your bloomers. And then he was your husband, whether you liked it or not. And seen. And seen. <laughs> One time, uh, when I first moved to L.A., someone, I think the street is called Seward. Mm-hmm. It's not C-word. No, it's not C-word. But someone was giving no me directions because I, I didn't have my Thomas guide. Right. Or my MapQuest printout. <laughs> someone said, take a right on Seward Street. And I was like, hold on, hold on. There's a street in Los Angeles. I said it again. 
That's twice in one episode. Yeah, that's one too many times, I think. The first time was refreshing. Now it feels like you know what? you're an alt right Nazi on. racist who's trying to say the C word <laughs> and to signal <laughs> and to when call did I out become to a your Nazi? people. Yeah, you're just now you're just a Nazi. When did I become racist? Yeah, that's it. I just I just Sorry. like to haphazardly talk about one genitals. C word shout, shame on you. Yeah. No, one C word shout, shame on me. As my co-host. But it all, the only option is one C-word chat. <laughs> right. Do you think uh, on the second one, we'll bleep it out? Kind of like on, when I did Conan, they say we can say shit twice on the show. Mm. So they had to bleep one of the other shits <laughs> to, so I could buy my shit. Yes. And I remember the one they bleeped was like, does a bear shit in the woods? Everyone knew that was shit. So they bleeped that. There's no value to that shit. I got my necessary shit for my groundbreaking shits and giggles joke. But this was back when you still did bathroom humor is what I'm Right, right. And I didn't know you didn't like it. Listen, (laughs) I have turned over a new leaf. I have very thought-provoking vaccine bits, but I'm not bombarding people with it. Okay. I think I've changed some minds. A lot of people left my show and went and got a shot, (laughs) I think. I never thought of it that way. I remember one man heckling. <laughs> hey, thanks for pointing that out. I, I can't believe I quit being a a police officer today. I'm going to get my shot and get my job back. I remember another man saying conversationally after my concert. He said that conversationally, just standing in the showroom, putting his blazer on. Yeah, he was in the bath. He's saying it in the urinal down to his own. <laughs> Here we are again. Toilet in toilet land. You can't stay out of toilet land. You know, I just say the bidet joke. What's it going? It's not going to diminish you in any way. Oh God, the the bidet joke is so long. It's like seven minutes long, Karen. (laughs) What? And it involves a lot of act outs. (laughs) It's a whole. It's a story. It's a long story of an awkward. Do you use uh, the stool as your pretend toilet to get up and uh, onto it for a minute? Mm-hmm. For a minute to wow. show that I had to get up on a terraced surface to get to the well lit. You really, are, you're back on the road in a very real way. Oh, and then by the end, when I used the mic stand as a giant flusher, <laughs> people really, yeah, they really get into it. It's very Perfect. physical. I cross my eyes at the end. People love it. <laughs> but in real life, it's a mm-hmm. story about. The control for it was a remote control bidet, yeah, in a bathroom that I wasn't supposed to be using. <laughs> and I dropped the remote, and the batteries fell out of it. And then I was trapped with a bidet blasting full blast, and there was no manual shutoff. That's what the premise is it a true story? It is very true. And I got in a lot of trouble. I got kicked out. That guy doesn't talk to me anymore because he. He said, nobody go in this bathroom. This is off limits. Here's the guest bathroom. I took a peek in the nice bathroom, and I'm like, I want to use this bathroom. It was aesthetically pleasing, and I made a real mess, and I was not drunk. That was for your dog looked at me. That wasn't for you. You clearly were drunk, and you were clearly in the wrong. I had to, like, put my hand over the bidet spray, and I was just- couldn't find the last battery. I couldn't turn it off. And then a guy came in. It was a whole, it's a story. It was very fun. So it is toilet humor in that 
it's a room that has a toilet in it, but but at it's no point, French toilet humor. It's right. of the day. Uh, yeah, and it doesn't work that well, to be honest. I I can't believe I've <laughs> talked about it this long. <laughs> Let's but, just go uh, over your opener real quick, and then we'll sure. be done. Then we'll shut, <laughs> shut it down. I know what you're thinking. Did so-and-so and Charlie Chaplin had a baby? There it is. Thank you. That's what I look like. Next joke. <laughs> <laughs> what if that's how I did it? Okay, let's go through the list here, people. I don't have a lot of time. I got to get a flight in the morning. <clears throat> joke one. Joke one. All right? <laughs> That's it. Next joke. And you're saying it to the audience like they have any control over what you're about to do. Next <laughs> they, joke. They all get nervous. And s- I do remember, the, I can't remember who it was, but they had that joke or it was holding a mirror up to that joke where they're like, I know what you're thinking. Did Jack and Judy Johnson have a baby? And there's no response. And he's like, God, that joke could work better if my parents were famous. <laughs> it's really a funny... I think it was like a comic in Austin. I don't... I remember thinking it was the best. That is a good version of that. It is a good version of making fun of that joke. It's turning traditional stand-up on its ear. Yeah, or up on its head. Oh. Is it on its ear or on its head? Same saying. Same. Well... Are we done? I think we did it. I think we did do it. It doesn't have to be a full episode. We're at 59 minutes. We're about as full an episode as we could ever be. Really? This flew by. I know. Because we never talk to only each other anymore. It's easy and fun. Uh, honestly, I'm, I'm, that was good news. Our, our guests couldn't make it today. Last minute we found out. And I'm like, oh boy, I'm going to yes. give people, some of the people that asked me, I thought it was an empty promise. Never. You've just been listening to a Chris and Karen only episode. We're going all the way back. Karen, did you fall down a well again? Yes, a well of good intentions about <laughs> Let me, our show. <laughs> what? <laughs> Let me lower down the bucket of support. Yay, finally. I'll I'll pull myself up on the rope of uh, thinking of things to actually say that anyone would want to hear. I'll bring I'll pull you up with this rope of vocabulary. <laughs> And suggesting words when I draw a complete blank because my brain doesn't work anymore. Yes, it does. And that was good improv. There's a reason we're a two-man duo. That's true. When we describe the well of support, people really love it. And I yes-anded you. I almost no-butted you and said, hey, wait a minute, that's just baby Jessica. (laughs) And that would have just gotten a brief laugh and ruined the scene. Right? We don't, we're not here to compete. We're here to support our fellow man. To support. The build. And build. The agreement. Like a foundation. The expansion. Every good city. Yes. The inviting in. The welcoming yeah. in, not the pushing Laborers, out. Laborers. A series of girders. Brick and mortar. <laughs> three unions involved. We're going to build this city on rock and roll. Plaster. Oh. <laughs> and plaster. <laughs> well, that's fun. You're fun. Good to yeah. see you, friend. Good to see you, too, my friend. Uh, we hope that this gave you everything you needed, listener. Yes. Listener who've been who's been with us for... All of these years, all of these seasons, all these different versions of this show. Yeah, yeah. We've gone through a lot of chapters. And if, like uh, Karen mentioned earlier, you're a first-time first time grandmother listening, oh. I don't usually scream the C word twice. No, that was a special occasion. That was a very special, do you need a ride? Yeah, this has been a very special holiday episode of <laughs> Do You Need a Ride? D-Y-N-A-R! A-R. 
This has been an Exactly Right production. Produced by Annalise Nelson. Engineered by Stephen Ray Morris. Mixed by Ryo Baum. Theme song by Karen Kilgareth. Artwork by Chris Fairbanks. Follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Dinar Podcast. That's D-Y-N-A-R Podcast. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Listen, subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. And you're welcome. Oh, it's January. (laughs) I know. I know. Uh, That's fun.